0: The following is a presentation of Team Bonding, providing more than 100 live, virtual, or hybrid corporate team building activities for companies around the world. Visit teambonding.com to schedule
1: your event now. Hey there, team. It's me, Rich Winnensland, and I'm welcoming you to Team Building Around the World, the podcast where I speak to people from the team bonding, team building industry from all over the globe. Today, I have with me all the way from Sydney, Australia, Mr. Kingsley Seal, and loves to be called Kingo. But of course, before we actually get to meet Kingsley, it behooves me to give some love to my supporters out there. This show is supported by Catalyst Team Building Network. Find out more about the world's largest network of team building providers at catalystglobal.com. And we also want to thank our friends at B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. Visit B1G1.com to get started. But now, my friends, again, coming all the way from Sydney, Australia, we have a gentleman here who, well, he, he started this business, from what I understand, he purchased the business he worked for back in 2011, along with his partner. He has a real hands-on quality when it comes to running the industry, and he's produced and facilitated over 1,100 team programs and workshops for Be Challenged in Sydney. So please, ladies and gentlemen, give a big, warm welcome to King Oseal. Thank you very much, Rich. Good to be here. Thank you, my friend. That is actually a small group of people I keep penned up under my desks, just so they can <laughs> applaud for folks. How you doing Beautiful. today? Fantastic, mate. Ready and rearing into what is the current normal
0: and just uh, ready to rip <laughs> into another week.
1: So just so we know, you are coming to us from Sydney. What time and day is it there, just so everybody is aware?
0: Sure thing. So it's just after 9 in the morning, and it's Wednesday, the 10th of June. Ah. So... Getting getting into the winter season now for us.
1: I have not unfortunately traveled much in my life. So getting to do this means I have so far been to India, I've been to Hong Kong. I get to go all over the world just for a half hour segment at a time. It's pretty
0: special to connect with people, um, and just to hear what's going on in their worlds and, and I suppose from that it's the two two fold. It's one, you hear things that are very relatable and, mm-hmm. and you can relate and sit there and go, Wow, that's just the same as here. Right. And other- you hear things that are completely different
1: from you as well, which, you know, it's pretty cool as well Just to see how f- people function in a different part of the world. Indeed. So why don't we start off? Tell my listeners out there all about yourself. Yeah,
0: sure. So uh, as you sort of mentioned, uh, from a B Challenge perspective, about 10, just under 10 years ago, myself and my business partner were working for the company and we always loved it. And we actually, we just happened to go separate ways at one stage. I went and played professional rugby union in uh, Italy and he went and worked for a large events firm. And about nine months later, we came back together and we're having a barbecue on his balcony. And, and we both talked about how much we loved the team building world and, and what mm-hmm. we were doing with be challenged. So we just had the the wacko idea of, should we buy it? You know, can we buy be challenged anyway? So from that barbecue, six weeks later, we, we purchased the company off the previous owner at that time. There was three of us in, in what we would call a Kennard's higher shed. So a bit like a hardware store shed sitting out the back and that's what it was. Okay. Um, And and then we've grown it since then. So now, you know, back then we used to do about 12 programs a month. We were based just in Sydney with three full-time staff. I didn't actually work. We didn't have enough (laughs) band and capacity for me to work for the company. So I went and worked at a pub pulling beers and then we've grown it to where we are now. So, you know, we're running, we were running up to about 60 to 65 programs a month. We've got the three main offices on the East coast of Australia. So Sydney, Melbourne, and Gold Coast. Mm. As, uh, as a lot of people are probably aware, Australia is a very big country, Yes. so uh, we, we operate mainly on the East Coast, and yeah, we're a company that definitely breathes our values. Myself and Oliver are quite fun, unique characters, I guess, and, and we kind of invite <laughs> our team to, to bring that uniqueness to the table each and every day.
1: Fantastic. Now, as much as I want to dive into the rabbit hole that is that, I got to back up a bit. You were a professional rugby player in Italy.
0: Yeah, and and, and let's not dwell too long on that because <laughs> I don't like tooting my own horn. So okay, I uh, I played rugby for quite a while in Australia. Uh, I went through the junior system a little bit, never quite really made it here. If I'm being really honest with uh. you, but because I've got a, a British mum, I had a European passport, so I was able to go play rugby in. Venice of all places in Italy. And I played a full season of professional rugby over there. And that was a great experience. I learned a lot. The day I landed, my coaches insisted on speaking Italian. I didn't speak a lick of Italian. <laughs> and by and a week later, they wanted me to, to make a lot of the calls and, and make a lot of the decisions with, with what limited Italian I had. So it was a
1: pretty cool experience. Coming from professional sports, teamwork is right there. It's already part of the job description. Did that help you build the company values you were talking about?
0: Absolutely. It was that. And uh, so myself and Oliver, my business partner, we we went to school together. We're in different years. So we were kind of mates there. We played a bit of rugby union together straight out Mm -hmm. of school. And I think I was the club captain and he was the vice captain. And it wasn't so much about uh, ability or anything like that what we did quite well was we just got everyone involved we loved organizing all the club functions and, and in australia where, where sports a little bit different is your club might have a, a first grade a second grade a third grade a fourth grade etc cetera, etc cetera. okay so it's not just one primary team and so what's really important in those clubs is you've got a really good connection between those who are playing you know in the top grade and those who are playing in the fourth or fifth grade side Mm. Um, and so that was something we started seeing that we were quite good at as well as that. We worked in a, a pub together, uh, which again, you're trying to bring people of different levels. You've got your, what we would call a, a glassy, you know, someone who picks up all the glasses uh, <laughs> that everyone's drinking. And then you've got right through to your, you know, your GM and your head managers. And again, we saw that when that world was fun, was when you had a really good team operating. When it was a, a chore, it was because the team wasn't functioning. So we fell in love with that concept. And we kind of both fell into be challenged, and then what we realized quite quickly is that in the corporate world, it almost all gets forgotten. You know, people forget to realize how important that team element is. as a lot of right. you know, individuals trying to get themselves ahead. Right. So we wanted to bring that atmosphere into the te- into the corporate world and and let people realize firstly it's okay to have a bit of fun but secondly you know if we can improve a team just a little bit more then we're bringing a, a lot of light into someone's world considering you know we work for 5 days a week 8 9 10 hours a day that's mm-hmm. a lot of time to be spent you know if you're miserable uh, miserable so if we can bring a bit of light there then that's going to make a big difference to someone's world
1: yeah that's always huge it's enjoyable watching people actually having fun and then realizing they're learning things too along the way Is that a major part of your company's values though? The making certain that they're having fun? Absolutely. So, I mean, our values, our first one's be real. So, you know, what you
0: see is what you get. Okay. I'm a a unique character and and so is Oliver, my business partner and our team is as well. You know, we're not all cut from the same cloth and and I quite like it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Our second value is be playful. So (laughs) we encourage people to be playful in everything they do. You know, we get up in front of the crowd and I always say to my guys, if you're having fun, then generally speaking, your crowd's Mm going to be having fun so let's make sure we enjoy it so yeah we, we try and bring that in everything we do we're very big on our own team you know we have a we, up until this year we have a retreat every year we have our own conference we have our own christmas party where we fly everyone in um we have catch-ups throughout the year with our contractors you know we encourage people to look for ways to have fun each and every day because i think that makes a big difference in their world
1: Awesome. Here at Team Bonding, we have uh, what we call the power of play. What kind of play do you recommend for people? In terms of
0: day to day, or in their corporate world? Both. Either. I think little things. Like I take it right back to you know if you're if you're a young person and you're living with a housemate,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know just create a bit of competition around something small. You know, sure. <laughs> Whether it be I, I made my toast first in the morning or something on those lines. <laughs> you know, there's. There's no harm in doing that. The other thing I always just say is, look, go out every day and try and make someone smile. If you if you have that sort of mentality, uh, whether that be, you know, I've got three children, so you know, whether that be for me to make a silly joke from my one of my kids and get them smiling, whether it be to send a you know a quirky text to my wife to get her to giggle in the middle of the day. Or whether it be to walk into the office and be a bit vulnerable and allow people to see you in a in a in a different light. You know, we we have uh, what we call budgie smugglers. I'm not sure if you've got them, but speedos you'd call them, I think, in the states. Oh, okay, great. Um, <laughs> and we've got we've got B Challenge branded speedos, and, and I'm not a small human, and, and neither is my uh, neither is my business partner, but you know, during what's been an incredibly tough three, four months, you know, we were constantly posting photos and videos of ourselves in our team WhatsApp group, just doing something silly in our speedos. And, you know, the sole purpose of that is to get a little laugh because we think it makes a big difference.
1: So tell me about the dynamics out there. What's a team look like on your side of the world?
0: Yeah, great question. Definitely in in Australia, one of the big things people value is that collaborative mindset. So, you know, you're you're sort of traditional dictator style leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, It probably isn't going to do too well out here unless Mm -hmm. they're, they're, They're good at then they they like people to make decisions, but they want to involve the team. So that element of empowerment. So for us, if we're thinking about like activities that work really well, things like the big picture, beat the box, uh, chain reaction, things that highlight the value of collaboration and also highlight the value of each and every person. It doesn't matter what level they're at. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's really interested if you're the, if you're the, the, the CEO or if you're the new paper boy, Mm -hmm. you know, you're all on the same playing field and you should treat each other the same way. So everyone here really sort of warms to that element that doesn't matter what you paid, what you've done, what you've done in the past, you know, no one's too big to take out the trash. You know, if the bin's overflowing, you take out the trash and away you go. And that's where we see strong cultures, where we see it, where people struggle a little bit is where that mentality gets forgotten, and I feel that's that's definitely an Australian thing, if that makes
1: sense. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. I've having now spoken to a few of you, but Kingo. Give me a quick second here. I need to pay some bills on my end, and let me take a break, team, and tell you all about Catalyst Team Building Network, an association of team building providers. With representatives in over 90 countries speaking more than 20 languages, the Catalyst Network is widely regarded as the voice of the team-building industry. Network members share resources, best practices, and business opportunities. Catalyst partners are learning from each other and pushing the boundaries of what is possible in team-building. Catalyst Network members share a common goal of creating highly relevant, socially responsible, good-valued experiences for their clients. For more information, please visit CatalystGlobal.com. The Catalyst Team Building Network, the world's largest network of team building providers. So, Kingo, how long have you been uh, part of the-
0: Um So we, I think we joined, yeah, sure. I mean, getting close to nine years, I think. We joined hmm. shortly after we took over. And so I think that's going back to around maybe December 2011 if my master's right. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, we met, uh, so guy, the CEO and Ryan, who I believe is titled CFO. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, had a good decided, you know, it was a big moment for us. It was a big investment. We were going to pull this trigger. Um, and, and immediately after we signed, there was one of the global conferences, which going back then they were a bit and uh, and again, we, we looked at each other, said well, we can't afford to send both of us, so we did scissors, paper, rock, and uh, and Oliver got to go, so he got to go to his first um, first Catalyst conference in Dubai, which was that, and from then on, we we've been well and truly entrenched in the in the Catalyst world. What kind of global conferences are you talking about? Every uh, I think it's every couple of years, so every two years, Catalyst holds a global team building conference where they invite all their partners, uh, and and their partners are willing, uh, welcome to bring however many staff they might like to bring mm. and we come together for it's usually 3 to 4 days and the whole purpose of that is is firstly sharing knowledge so you know things that are for example you might be experiencing in the US there's chances I'm experiencing it here in Australia too whether that right. be you know managing staff dealing with new products keeping up with clients expectations all those mm. sorts of things so we come together and the whole purpose is sharing ideas sharing experiences making the collective better because it's in your best interest for me to learn from you because that makes Catalyst stronger Mm -hmm. and on the flip side. So it's a really open environment, people helping each other move forward, people helping each other with issues. And the whole idea is just to grow that network and go from strength to strength.
1: Everything that you're talking about here, it it sounds a lot like what I would consider natural leadership. Do you think that's one of the most important things in being a part of a team is to find that natural leader? And, And what is it that one would look for in that case?
0: Okay, that's a really good question. I think I think the most important thing when someone's trying to lead, because I do believe that everyone has the ability to lead. I don't think anyone can say, oh, I'm not a leader, I can't lead. Mm-hmm. But I do think what they need to be really aware of is, is to make sure they lead their way and not try and lead in a different way. You know, some leaders are your motivational style, you know, get up in front of the crowd. They know how to speak. They know how to get people going. They know what they need to do. Then you've got the others who are jumping the trenches and just working from the front. Then you've got the others who are all about empowerment, you know, sit behind and actually let other people take the limelight, even though they're the ones kind of pulling the strings. Mm. So I think it's really important as a leader to recognize where do your strengths lie. And then run with that for Oliver and I, we've known for quite some time, our strength is dealing with people. And definitely, you know, when we say that we, we mean our own people internally mm-hmm. and then helping them work with people externally. You know, we like to think of ourselves as, as pretty good leaders of people. You know, we understand people, we, we get a good record understanding of what makes them tick. And being really honest, we enjoy that. You know, it fills us up and, <laughs> and and makes us feel good. So we keep doing that. And then we develop the other areas as and when we need, or we bring other people in who can fill the voids that we might not necessarily have.
1: Now, is that something that you always had a natural flair for, or is that a skill that you were able to develop in yourself?
0: In terms of de- uh, working with people, yeah, um, I think it was a, it was something natural that I've then worked out to develop further. That would be the best way to to, to put it. Okay. Um, I've always got along with people. I've always been able to, you know, one-on-one with someone, get someone to open up to me. Uh, and mm. Oliver's got the exact same uh, trait. In fact, he's probably 1,000 times better than me. Um, <laughs> but definitely we, we, we get people to open up, be really honest and vulnerable. You know, you, you see, you read anything about Lencioni or you see Brene Brown and they talk about that vulnerability trust. Mm-hmm. I do think we're, we're quite good at getting to that first stage of trust quite quickly with a person and then working with them to get the best output that we can.
1: Is that just with folks in Australia or do you think that's, do you have that with everyone or have you found that there are, you know, particular places in the world where that doesn't work so easily?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, There's definitely environments that I connect with as an individual. So for example, the Ireland team who, who we'd only met once you mm-hmm. know, going back seven, eight years ago, Right. after meeting them once for two days, you know, we planned a trip to Ireland for the following year. You know, you don't usually do that sort of thing. Yeah. With people. So obviously there was a connection there, you know, the, the New Zealand uh, partner, Stu here. So I, I do mm-hmm. think culture has something to do with it for sure. So for example, the way we lead might not go down so well In fact, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't go down well in some of the Asian countries, you know, like Japan, if you go over to Hong Kong, although Hong Kong's a bit more British style, but definitely some of those those countries and and as well in the Middle East, you know, you've got to be careful with the way you lead. I think it translates to some cultures, but I would definitely say if you were to pick me up and put me in some of those other environments, I would Mm -hmm. have to do some learning and adjusting to work out, you know, what I would need to change to, to allow myself to be successful in those worlds.
1: How fast do you being able to shift gears like that? Like how good are you? I mean, I imagine you must be good at reading people if you are the people person you claim to be. What do you look for when you first get into a new situation to see if your style is working or if you need to change gears?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You're probably asking me something that I almost do unconsciously. But right. I think I think what it is, is how do I describe this? So you're almost throwing out a few, I don't want to say the word bombs, but you're throwing out a few <laughs> questions and you're seeing which ones are going to get the best reactions. And okay. then that will determine which way you go. So, you know, for example, um, Oliver, my business partner, he might in the, in the first five minutes of the meeting, you know, there, there might be a few different questions that he asks. some of them around the really serious route, some of them may be a bit silly and jokey, some of them around a bit flirty, whatever it might be. Mm. And as you're placing these questions out there, you're reading the, the crowd and seeing what right. sort of reaction you get. And that's going to determine the type of conversation that you can have with that person. You know, if you're being shut down real quick when you start to talk seriously, but you know, you, you talk about someone's kids or you make a joke about having a drink on a Friday night and you get a good reaction. Well then let's start to feed our way into into that sort of mindset. Let's let's still get the information across it, still deliver mm-hmm. the key message, mm-hmm. but let's do it that way because it's gonna end up a better outcome for both of us. Very good.
1: You're being very helpful. Thank you, Kingo. Oh. <laughs> uh, no worries at all. Hopefully if anybody was see, I when I first started doing this podcast, my thought was to actually teach people who know nothing about this industry how teamwork functions best from people in the industry. And that's a very helpful answer. Thank you for that. But let's talk a little bit on your corporate side. What kind of charities do you work with over there in Australia?
0: And I mean, obviously, through Catalyst Network, we, we've got exposure through B1G1. So right. they probably be our primary uh, charity that we work with regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason, I guess, we like that is usually people want to run an event Um, for a specific outcome. You know, we have a team who's struggling with communication or we have a team that maybe needs to work on their problem-solving ability or we we need to realign everyone under the same vision, whatever it might be. Right. So that becomes the underlying issue. Secondary to that is that element of, hey, listen, we'd like to also give back. So you might have those two paired together. So the reason I like B1G1 is we can pair it with a program that hits a key outcome without jeopardizing the key outcome, if that makes sense. Sure. So we're not, we're not changing everything just to to bring the the charity element in which while it's important, it's often not the primary driver. So Mm -hmm. it means, you know, a client can deliver a key values message at the start of their year, set up their year strong with their team, get everyone under the one banner, make sure everyone's clear on the expectations, the goals, all those sorts of things while, On the flip side, also giving back. So Mm. giving a bit of an insight into potentially a world that that we've never experienced or couldn't even imagine, like not being able to get clean water and able to support that world, um, in a different way. So B1 G1 for us is probably the number one, Mm -hmm. Um, the other one we work with quite regularly is Starlight for Kids, a kids' foundation here in Australia. They may well be global too; I'm not entirely sure. But um, the whole idea being producing content, or, or you know, if people are building toys, they're building billy carts, building bikes, all those sorts of things, mm. um, and then they can get given to you know kids who are either you know in struggling with poverty, maybe come from troubled backgrounds, whatever right. it might be, and they get the to receive these items. So, look, they're, they're, they're probably the main two. And, you know, we encourage our clients to have a think about whenever they're running an event, you know, what can they help? Mm-hmm. The third one at the moment, which is very relevant in Australia, that that we did see at the start of the year as we were all supporting it, and to be honest, as we start to come through this pandemic to the other side, people are starting to become aware of it again, is mm-hmm. we, we were well and truly devastated by bushfires, um, you know, in yeah. December, January year you know and then unfortunately with the you know COVID-19 that that kind of got forgotten a little bit but there's a lot of communities struggling a lot of wildlife so what we have is we also support a couple of wildlife funds as well where you know little things like building possum houses so building these little possum houses out of wood on the program the participants do it and we donate them to whether it be the wildlife warriors or whoever it might be for these ones, it's usually smaller organizations and they're state-based. So you might have two or three in Victoria, a couple in New South Wales. So it just depends on, on which state you're in. Um, yeah. And then they can go and rehang these possum houses and it starts to rebuild that community of, uh, of animals in that, in that world.
1: Do you have a contact information for that charity? Just so my listeners actually can help. I'd have to. uh, I'd have
0: to. Maybe is that something I can get get that to you later on? That's okay.
1: Yeah. If you want, feel free to email it to us. I'll have it attached to the podcast when we put it out. That'd be great. I'm I'm pretty certain it's the Wildlife Warriors is the one that we support, but I'd have to check. Thank you very much. And actually, with that in mind, hold on for me one more second there, Kingo. Because I want to take a minute to tell my team about B1G1, which can make your business a real force for good. When you're part of B1G1, you bring new purpose, meaning, and relevance to your business by making giving a core of what you do. Unlike conventional giving models, B1G1 helps small and medium-sized businesses achieve more social impact by embedding giving activities in their everyday business operations to create a unique giving story. Every business transaction can impact lives, even from as little as just one cent. So visit B1G1.com to get started. B1G1, business for good. All right, Kingo, let's talk about some of your favorite events. What kind of things do you like to do over there?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, so for us, I mean, my ooh, my favorite's always uh, big picture, if I'm honest. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Yep. Um, and I think the biggest value I get out of that one is it ends up being so much better than people anticipate. Mm. And, and at the same time, people get immediate value for how hard they work. So if you've got a... A group who is putting in the effort, putting in the time, collaborating strongly, and then they see their result, you know, 20 minutes post-event with this giant, you know, four meter by two meter big picture. The proof is in the pudding that it can be done. It's unique. And what I always say to our guys is that success achieved as a team is mm-hmm. so much better than success achieved as individuals. Even if you read all the great sporting books, you know, one of my favorite books is the Agassiz biography Oh, okay. and he talks, he talk, you know, that's an individual sport. Tennis is a lonely sport and, right. and a lot of tennis players talk about it, but what he speaks about throughout his career is that he had his little team. So he always had his team of people around him and how important they were to the grand scheme of things. So where I like big picture is, you know, if you as a team, go to the effort, work hard, disciplined, keep focused on the goal, you get an immediate reward and you see value for that, which people can relate to. They can take it back. They can work with it and go from there. So big picture is definitely my uh, my number one.
1: Just so uh, my audience knows what you're talking about, describe how big picture works.
0: Yeah, sure. So for a big picture, the first part of it is we would design a bespoke image with the client. So that image can encompass anything that you want. It might be a company's values, perhaps perhaps it's a vision. So you're setting up where your business is now and where it wants to get to, Um, or it might just be celebrating your people. Whatever that image is, we work with you around that. Okay. Then what we do is we break that image down into a number of different smaller canvases. So each team would receive two to three canvases. They would know exactly what their image looks like, but they don't know what the overall image looks like. So what they need to do is work with teams around them to make sure what they're painting and what they're doing is going to end up with the best overall big picture. It's not about having the best individual canvas. It's about having the best overall big picture. So they need to collaborate, work together, communicate, cross network, all those sorts of things. Mm. At the end of the day, we kick everyone out of the room, let them go have their afternoon tea, let them go get their scones and jam or whatever <laughs> they're doing that day. And, um, and then we put that image together, put it behind the big curtain, bring them in, and, and we drop that curtain. And there's always a really special moment because there's a little pause and then there's just this sense of pride that breeds across the room. And big picture is one of the only activities that we do where we usually have to kick people out of the room. Normally people finish a program, they say, thank you. They shake your hand. They said they had a great time. And off they go to have drinks with their colleagues or back to work, whatever it might be. Mm. Big picture, they stand there, they stare, they point at their canvas, they show their team, they take photos, they go home and talk about it that night. It's a special, special program. And it achieves so much in, in really only two, two and a half hours.
1: So before COVID, would you say that was your most popular event?
0: Our top three were, so Go Team, which is a app-based scavenger hunt style mm-hmm. activity. So GPS-based scavenger hunt. Um, number two is Big Picture. Okay. And number three was Beat the Box, which is a essentially a a collaborative escape room that we bring to your conference. So, you know, escape rooms are sort of limited by having, you know, eight to 10 people at a time. We either beat the box, you know, you can run 500 people on the one event, all having the same experience, which is, which is really
1: valuable. Mm. So you've got those. Let me ask you now, just for fun, What's been like the most embarrassing memory you've had at an event? Uh, that was a guy when I
0: when I was reading some of the questions, that was a good one that I saw <laughs> come through. Um, I've got two. I've got two that I can share for you. Great. Um so the first one was when I was a fair bit younger. So this is going back about seven, eight years ago, mm. and I've got a bit of an unusual name. Kingsley is not not a, a common name it's not a tom it's not an andrew or anything like that okay so i get called i get called lots of different names people get my name confused all the time so this particular (laughs) time 350 people and and the the main mc was doing a really good job he'd got this crowd excited he was running a really good show credit to him Mm. and he got everyone pumped and he says ladies and gentlemen i want to bring to the stage kylie seal and (laughs) you know the crowd cheered And again, I'm not a small human. I'm six foot six. Uh, and, but you're not a you Kylie. Know, no, I'm not a Kylie. So I got up on stage and said, ladies and gentlemen, Kylie's not available today, but I'm Kingsley and ready to rip it. Let's see what we can do. So that was that one. The other, the, the other funny one uh, that I had, and this was truly embarrassing. Again, another big group. It was a, a race night as such, you know, you know, a night of the races style event. So mm-hmm. we we're all wearing our, our good suits and that sort of thing. And I was presenting and, you know, we had the crowd going and we were doing a fashions on the field where we get people to sort of do a little catwalk runway through and have a bit of fun. And I went to climb up on one of the chairs. And as I did again, you know, through my rugby playing days, I don't have, I'm not someone who can wear skinny leg jeans. If, if that, if that rings true with you guys. Okay. Um, And as I stepped up, my pants ripped right from the belt, (laughs) right under the crotch. And, uh, And as I did that, I realized when I stepped up, I had the majority of the crowd, I think it was about 150 people. So the majority of the crowd were right behind me and I had just a few people in front. So it was seen by every single person there. And that's what I had to do the rest of the event. I had about half an hour to go to the rest of the event with, uh, with my pants ripped from, from belt to crotch.
1: What did you do? How do you get past that?
0: I owned it. I said, well, that's interesting. And that's happened. And uh, so, ladies and gents, just so you're clear, I don't have a spare pair of pants, and we're <laughs> going to keep
1: the show rolling. <laughs> that is great I mean, that takes a very rare type of personality
0: yeah i think in those scenarios again going back to our values right you just gotta mm-hmm. own it you know you're yep. sitting there jumping down and freaking out probably wasn't going to achieve anything so right that's the case of hey look this has happened and let's all have fun with it and then again you talk about be playful yeah what, what was what was really funny was the number of men who came to me that night and told me how many had had a similar you know pants lipping experience <laughs> whether it whether it be at weddings, I heard one from a bar mitzvah, you know, the oh, amount my. of different people who'd had a similar sort of process. And I was like, <laughs> oh, there you go. We're all sharing experiences.
1: <laughs> Talking about your, your personal favorites and your bigger sellers from back when we could all gather together in the same place. How are you facing a lock-in challenge like COVID?
0: For us, we we kind of hit – we call it like, – it's like a traffic jam, right? And we're all running into the traffic jam at right. different times. Right. So we hit the traffic jam early to mid-March. And okay. when we did, it, 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 we literally stopped. You know, we, we had events pulled out from under us. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia's uh, – a lot of what we've been doing has been determined by what our government deems we can do, if okay. that makes sense, which, yep. which is true across the world. You know, people are just reacting the way they did. So we did what everyone – in our industry, did and, and a credit to Catalyst. The beauty again of that network was we we're all able to share ideas immediately. So it was all about first of all, if we had virtual options, expand them, make them bigger, make them better, mm. make sure you're ahead of the curve. Secondly, get them out there. The first thing we did when it all hit is we sent a, a press release out and we offered free events for the next six weeks. The reason being our clients were hurting. Uh, our partners were hurting. Our industry was hurting and we were here and we just wanted to help. So uh, the best way we can do that was to do what we do best. So we offered up our services and we ran a heap of free virtual events in those, you know, from mid March to about the end of April, we've definitely seen an uptake as people, as businesses went through that crisis mode. So there's definitely, you know, initial crisis. How do we work from home? How do we make this work? You've got kids because people aren't allowed to send their kids to school. Right. Once business came through that crisis mode, most organizations have realized, Hey, this connection piece is really important and it's more important now than it ever was before. So what we did was we were just engaged with our clients, talk them through options. You know, we had to shift and, and understand that, that virtual programs operate at a different price point. It's a different methodology, you know, trying to push someone for longer than an hour on a, on a video call can be you know, detrimental rather than beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, It was about working with our clients around what they needed, what they felt they could do, and then building on that. So, look, we saw some relative traction from from May. June's looking good. And we're now, in Australia, we're coming through to the other side where we've got live events being booked again, which is great.
1: Good for you. Uh,
0: Our biggest challenge, if you like, is, and I think you'd have a similar thing over there in the States, is we're limited by what federal regulations say, but then states also have their own rules as well. Correct. So, in New South Wales at the moment, we're allowed to have, you know, 50 people in a room running an event as long as we observe certain guidelines. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Victoria and Queensland, which is where our two other offices are located, mm-hmm. um, we're still limited to 20. Um, ah. So it's just about abiding by those rules, working out what we can and can't do, and then getting stuck in when the opportunity rises. You know, our end goal hasn't changed. and Our belief, in fact, speaking to people now more than ever, yeah. the belief is that if people are coming together they need to make sure they make value of that because chances are we're going to have a more remote workforce. I don't think hundred percent remote. I think that's a bit extreme, Mm -hmm. but I think workforces that weren't remote previously will now be allow that flexibility and allow people to work virtually, you know, one or two days a week. Mm -hmm. So when they do make the effort to bring everyone into the one room or one space or bring everyone into the same environment for a conference, you really need to maximize that value because you're getting less face to face time throughout the year. So that face-to-face time needs to be capitalized on to ensure you get the best outcomes of working together.
1: That's well put, Kingsley. I Honestly, I don't think we can go any further. (laughs) Except to say thank you so much for being part of the show. You're just, I see now why everybody's saying that you're so energetic. You're such a people person. I can't thank you enough for being here. I say that because, well, I'm about to torch you a little bit myself. As I've told you before we started, we're about to go into the speed round. Now, for those who don't know, my speed round is, for the next 60 seconds, I'm going to be asking Kingo here a bunch of questions, easy, easy questions, and his objective is going to be to try to answer them as quickly as he can, but as fully as he can within that time allowed. So, Kingo, if you're ready. Looking forward to it, Rich. Fantastic. Let's get going. What is your name? Kingsley Seal. What is your favorite movie? Uh, Shawshank Redemption. How many kids do you have? Three. Which one's your favorite? Oh, you can't answer that. <laughs> oh, that's not no answer. Okay, um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people who don't have manners. Sleep- you're gonna sleep with your sheets tucked in or tucked out? No, tucked out, nice and free. Uh, what's your favorite sandwich? ooh ham cheese tomato toasted sandwich nice Uh, cake or pie cake who's the kindest person you know um my mother do you have siblings I do I have three sisters what's the best part of having siblings uh they're all good cooks (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite family tradition Uh, Christmas. We're a big Christmas family and it's always a special time of year for us. Fantastic. Kingo, you now have my show record. For as long as I've been on, you hit 11 questions in 60 seconds. That has not happened before. So yes, the Aussies are on top. On. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. I'm just gonna, gonna <laughs> stay non-political in this entire event. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my team out there, please give one more time a huge round of applause for Kingsley Steel, not to be confused with Kylie. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for being a part of the show. I would love to talk to you again later at some future point. And also, if we can get your partner involved, maybe we can get the both of you at the same time.
0: Thank you very much, Rich. Yeah, we'd love to. And and he was keen to be here today, just uh, conflicts with uh, calendars. So sure. we'd love to chat. And that was really lovely. Thanks so much for connecting.
1: Hey, thank you. And if anyone is looking forward to supporting the Australian wildlife effort that King O was talking about earlier, that's wildlifewarriors.org.au. That charity again, wildlifewarriors.org. And thanks to all my team out there for listening one more time to team building around the world. If you like this show, please share it with your friends or colleagues. And we'd be grateful if you would subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And leave us a favorable review. If you didn't like the show, that's absolutely fine. Just shut up about it and everything will be okay. Our past episodes can be found at teambonding.com. And my friends, I have been Rich Rinsland. And remember, if you are within the sound of my voice... You're now on my team, and I'm on yours. Thanks again, everyone, and we will see you next time.